With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Ken Afzak, and this is Daily Thrones. A quick look at the world of ice and fire. Talking about our favorite scenes and moments, and I'm looking at season five. The lessons of Danny are something we talk about often here. We talked about it yesterday when we were talking about Sir Barristan Snellman giving a final lesson to Danny before his death. I love the moment. It's so tense where the uh, slave, former slave, Mo- Mosadar, um, acts, uh, goes against Danny's orders and uh, kills a captive. And she has to have him publicly executed. And uh, Mosador appeared in the, you know, the uh, some other scenes. He comes back this season. He seems like he's going to be a good voice for the former slaves in Danny's cabinet in her v- version of the small council. But he makes this mistake, similar to uh, Rickard Karstark and the Lannister captives. And we saw how Rob Stark had to deal with that. And that was another great moment. This one has some echoes of that. And it was a very tense scene. When you go back and watch it, it, uh, it, it resonates with me as just a very tense scene where I wasn't sure what Danny was going to do or what Danny should do. And it raises good questions and it raises tough questions of being a leader. Now, hopefully uh, none of us are going to be in the position to publicly execute someone and having to decide yay or nay. But being a leader, you make these tough decisions and there could be a case made for Danny letting him go. But she had half uh, the population watching who wouldn't have liked that. And then if you kill him, you have the other half of the population not happy with that and the that was the half the the former slaves the freed slaves that danny was trying to speak to that danny was trying to save so when she does have most of the dart executed the initial reaction is one i love of everyone just starts hiss hissing at her and it freaks danny out and even though i think she may have made the right decision the tough decision the one uh in in these times in that world you have to make I, I love the look on her face. It's it's one of uh, my favorite Amelia Clark acting moments where it's just like there's this like what have I done? This wasn't what Marine was supposed to be. This wasn't what my uh, free the slaves through Slaver Bay uh, caravan was supposed to be. It's all supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to be the Misa, the the mother of dragons, the breaker of chains. They're all supposed to love me, and they didn't. And there was some confusion pain uh, following a very tense scene and it's it's absolutely one of my favorite little danny moments we talk about danny's lessons that is definitely one she had to learn and she learned it fast right then and there what are your favorite moments in season five or six seven or one through four it doesn't matter i want to hear about it or if you got some thoughts and comments on other news let me know here on daily thrones
again, Kevin Ross, to execute or not to execute is a very is a larger theme and thread in Game of Thrones. And these things tend to happen when the mentor is not in place. For instance, Tywin's out fighting a war, so Joffrey executes Ned because he wants to exert and show his power. Um. Uh, Danny executes the slave because she thinks she doesn't have any other solution and her and the reason why he, she has to do that is because her mentor has just passed on. Both these inexperienced leaders are trying to figure out their best way to go about handling this thing uh, without any guidance at all. There's nobody around them. Joffrey's not listening to anybody at court and nobody there's no experience in Danny's court yet as to how to handle this kind of a situation. Tyrion has not shown up. It's very interesting. Thanks. Season 5 had uh, one of the more interesting moments for me. That is Marjorie and Tommen consummating their marriage part of Marjorie's plan. Now, we don't see it. Game of Thrones couldn't go that far having a uh, woman, I believe at the time in her late 20s of sex, with a young teenage uh, boy actor. Yes, even Game of Thrones has standards, but I love this scene, this moment, and this situation, and, quite frankly, the morning after. This happens in Episode 3, The High Sparrow. We have had uh, the wedding between Marjorie and Tom, a low-key affair. Uh, no, we didn't get to really see it, live it, feel it. No one died at it. It just happened, right? But Marjorie's been working on Tommen for a while. Uh, Sir Pounce, anybody? Great scene as well. Um, but Marjorie now has, quite frankly, him literally in her grasp. And Tommen, well, I mean, come on. We've all seen Marjorie. That's going to be hard to resist. That is some, uh, she's going to start working her magic and getting into your mind. She's got the tools to do that. And Tommen really, really starts to fall for it. And Marjorie is quick. She's right there, trying to get him to send, him to send Cersei to Casterly Rock. It's one of the more humiliating moments for Cersei, and though she's got some bigger humiliation yet to come in this very season, she feels it right there. It is Cersei on a slippery slope, not her steady feet. And it is the morning after, too, that is another scene that I love a lot that shows Marjorie. Uh, not quite at her best. It actually been, might have been Marjorie underestimating Cersei a little bit. And that is when Marjorie's with her friends, her uh, handmaidens, and Cersei counts, uh, shows up uh, uh, um, to see what's going on. Check in, right? Just a little, little talk between uh, mother-in-law and bride, and Marjorie starts right in on her. Uh, being really condescending, really the barbs, the, the drinking, the day drinking barbs, which that was hilarious. Um, and Cersei just has to take it. The whole, what do I call you? The Dowager Queen? You're not the Queen Regent anymore. You're not the King, Queen, Queen Mother. What are you? What do I call you? Because you're not in power anymore. Cersei just has to take it. And that might have been one of Marjorie's mistakes. Now, Marjorie was always in the game she was a more than just a good prospect she knew how to play the game she she was on the on the track to be an all-star player perhaps maybe even a hall of fame player but i think in this particular scene this morning after scene after she does some great work getting into tommen's brain through her wiles and and certain uh, means there um cersei is hurt here she knows she 
she can't win this conversation. She knows she has to play it cool, but she never forgets. And though Marjorie was in the game, and though Marjorie did think something was going on in that final episode of season six of Wins and Winner, Marjorie figured it out too late. It wasn't her fault she couldn't run out. But the fact that she was there in that position captured part of uh, this trial, part of all the stuff going on, was because Cersei worked her magic. You got to be careful, Marjorie. You got to be careful how you strike back against Cersei Lannister. So this couple of scenes shows me Marjorie at her best, what Marjorie could have been, and Marjorie getting a little bit too comfortable with her, with her, with her position and underestimating for a brief moment Cersei Lannister. And you never want to give Cersei a reason to hate you. Taking a little break from talking about our favorite moments and scenes, let's take a look at the directors of season eight forthcoming. Now we know who the directors are. It is a it is a small amount. We got Dan and Dave. We've got director David Nutter, and we got Miguel Sapochnik. Now, according to the internet, which never lies and is never grumpy or cantankerous and never angry, the internet is perfect. Uh, we have maybe the order. Now, I, I, this is coming from uh, the site Winter is Coming. Uh, I usually go to the Watchers on the Walls. You guys know, but hey, uh, this is where I'm reading it. This, is, uh, this was tweeted to me uh, today, and I want to give someone credit for that, but uh, I have so many mentions on Twitter. I'm not bragging because they're all uh, yelling at me for loving The Last Jedi and being on a show and saying that I love The Last Jedi. Again, the Internet is not causing me any problems at all but i got this uh tweet uh, t- uh, tweeted to me today uh this interesting little news bit about the order of the directors and 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 that could help to start uh, give us a little clues uh if you dig too much you might be spoiling yourself right but it uh, also could be uh fun to kind of see where the season from this far out and we do have quite a ways to go where it could actually end up being um so i think oh here we go i got i got the name alpha juliet at yotes girl g u r l at the end there you tweeted that in uh total film covering it uh as well so hey props to you great in in a sea of star wars anger today i found this article uh, so here we go. Uh, we've got episodes one, two, and four, directed by David Nutter. Uh, of course, he directed uh, The Reigns of Castamere, which is our uh, Red Wedding episode. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he he can handle so, – so what does that mean? You know, What does that put him in position? Starts the season, starts telling the story. We're jumping right into this. Three and five are going to be told by Miguel Synopchik. I'm thinking of my own name, Sapochnik. Uh, and he is going to be directing the three and five, and uh, he's of course known for Battle of the Bastards, Hard Home, and The Winds of Winter. And of course, Dan and Dave are going to close it up. No surprise there. Episode six, them taking the series that they started, they show ran, uh, they took from the mind of George R. R. Martin and took it great places. They will close up shop. Turn off the lights on your way out. So, does this mean we're going to get? Three uh, episode three and episode five having big giant battles that would make some sense. One and two, the build up still got some political intrigue. The red wedding plays out there with David Nutter at the helm, and uh, then we get a, a battle. Episode three, Siege of Winterfell, 
come back, reset from that, and then a battle for Westeros and maybe even Essos in episode five, and then we round it all up, take it home in episode six. These are, of course, longer episodes. So that's just me looking at it from afar. We have a um, we have a long time to go, uh, but uh, sometimes uh, you know you want to you want to kind of look ahead. You want to get yourself excited, and this is what's going. So if you guys think, uh, what do you guys think about that director order? One, two, David Nutter. Three, Sapochnik. Four, back to Nutter. And five, Sapochnik and Dan and Dave closing it out. Let me know. And we'll be talking to favorite scenes uh, from season five and other episodes and other seasons tomorrow on Daily Thrones.